Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Chris Ragg, Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing a real life example of the trolley problem. So, Nick, can you lead us in on this, please? Yes. So, there, um, as uh, everyone will be aware, there was another um, terrorist attack in Stockholm uh, recently, uh, which involved an, a vehicle attack. Um, and uh, the, well, I think the thing that we're interested in is um, that a, a sort of man called Santiago Cueva, um, who happened to be sitting in his van, uh, at the time that the attack started, used used his van to to run the uh, attacker off the road. So the attacker was in a lorry, hurtling down the road, and um, Santiago Cueva basically pushed him into a um, a department store. Um, now, as a result of that, um, some people got killed uh, who would not otherwise have been killed. But um, but the uh, he's being hailed as a hero for sort of you know taking his um, putting his life at risk. Uh, and and the argument being that he's probably saved uh, a, a lot more lives uh, as a result of having done that. Um, but uh, this is interesting because this is actually a real life example of a, of a really well known um, moral thought experiment called the trolley problem, where uh, a, a train is out of control and hurtling towards a group of five people who are who are you know for some reason having a picnic on the train tracks. And your your choice is to you know to flip this flip this switch and divert the train uh, down down a different route. But but on that route, there's there's a single person having uh, also having a picnic on the train tracks. And uh, and the question is whether or not you should flip the switch. So should you should you save those five people at the cost of one person who wouldn't otherwise have died? Um, and uh, you know that so that that's the question and there, there's been all kinds of interesting variants of the trolley problem um but it forms the a good basis for the discussion of you know what what kinds of actions are right under various circumstances when you have to make these sorts of choices okay so um a real life example here and and the person involved took a decision and actually possibly didn't even take a decision because it was as these things happen it was in the moment and just went ahead um with a course of action um and so having laid the foundations there um yeah what are your thoughts anything anything immediately spring spring to mind from either chris or peter you want to come in with here chris yeah i think for me the 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 um issue of the trolley problem is that uh obviously it's um it's it's got much more certainty attached to it than than real world problems so you know it's it's simply a, a binary a binary decision and the outcome because it's a trolley it's a you know the the train is traveling along this thing it can't can't go anywhere else so there's a there's a high degree of certainty about the problem so you know that by acting in a particular way uh the outcome is known where of course in in this example of the Stockholm attack, the the outcome is uh, m- much less certain. There are far more variables at play, and there are far more outcomes than just you know two potential outcomes. Um, and so, I suppose for me, the the issue why the 
why the problem uh, is difficult and why most people seem to err on the side of inaction under these circumstances, I think is is related to that uncertainty and people's judgment about the level of impact they will have on a situation and how likely they are to be successful. So I think most people on on engaging in uh, an action have a degree of optimism bias about their likely success. So if it's if it's I, I will com- I will commit an action that will kill one person uh, versus some unknown outcome that might kill five people, but but might not, then uh, people will probably err on the side of well, I'm not I'm not going to do something which I know I'm going to be successful at and kill one person when the outcome is is uncertain it, it might be five people die it might be no people die so i think that's um you know that's where the thought experiment and the real world collide and 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 why why it's a very difficult dilemma and why often people do you know people do say oh it just happened it was instinctive you know but but under circumstances where people are able to calculate and have time to make that decision i think they they tend to err on the side of not doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. people are. We know that people are loss averse, uh, particularly when it comes mm-hmm. to issues of you know with a of sort of saving lives and things that people would um, people would generally um, tr- take risks to avoid losses. Uh, you know, in a, in a way that they wouldn't um, when you present those same losses as gains. Um, I suppose the the you know that so we know that people do actually behave in ways that violate you know fairly sort of standard assumptions about about how you should behave where you should behave basically to to maximize the total goodness um in a base in a sort of utilitarian setup you shouldn't really care about how many people you know would die under one circumstance or another it should be or you know what the what the spread of outcome should be um yeah so we know we know that um you know people do behave in ways that look that look sort of slightly irrational the question is whether whether they should so take take the issue of uncertainty should it make a moral difference let's say if instead of you know there being exactly five if we knew that there were between naught and ten on one track and between naught and two on the other track so on average there were five on one and and one on the other um you know should that make a difference uh so ought it to make a difference but i know it does in real life but um but should it Mm -hmm. um peter anything you'd like to come in with here the, the trolley problem is uh, very commonly um, cited and used when discussing automation and particularly uh, used in discussing autonomous vehicles because it's, uh, it's quite probable that vehicles will face such decisions at some point that they have to um, take some action to, to either save the, the uh, occupant of the, of the vehicle or, uh, and, and, and in doing so potentially endanger individuals outside the vehicle so um uh, it's a a very relevant thought experiment um today uh, with the development in in autonomous vehicles that said however um it's 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 i think it's a bit over talked about i think that a lot of the a lot of the time um although it's likely this will happen um the the, the the actual number of occurrences will be vanishingly small because mm. uh, the auto- autonomous vehicles are generally engineered not to get themselves into a situation where they don't know what's going to happen with a high degree of certainty. So, for example, if they're um, if an autonomous vehicle is driving down the road 
and it knows there's a school nearby, mm. it will slow down so that it has a greater horizon before it has to make a decision, just in case a child crosses the road um, before it can stop. So the so the, the so the quote the Google engineers um, they say just don't hit stuff. Period is their approach to is their approach to dealing with these situations. But what about situations where the vehicle itself could be used to save lives? So, um, you know, if you have uh, if there's a lorry that's out of control hurtling towards a busload of nuns and you, and you could the the car, the autonomous vehicle could interpose itself and save the nuns ought it to do so. That's the kind of situation we're talking about. And I think you know, one of the things that Chris touched on there is this idea that there's a moral difference between acting and um, and failing to act so you know people often feel that if they act they're somehow more liable than if they simply don't act or if they choose to like do nothing and just stand there and um and in this situation you know i think people i think people would probably resist the idea that their car could be used instrumentally to save third parties but actually in moral terms there's no reason it shouldn't you know but there's no there's not we should we should at least consider whether or not a car ought to sacrifice its occupant to save a bunch of other people elsewhere um so you know it's not it's not just that the you know it's not just about the car not not crashing it's it's about the car being used to prevent negative outcomes i've got some data on that actually the uh, mit did a consumer survey um around autonomous vehicles and it turns out that most people um uh, would rather other people drive a very utilitarian vehicle i.e., one that thinks about the best way of saving life um, whereas they would personally very strongly not like to drive in one or be driven in one. So there's one rule for for you and a, a rule for everybody else when it comes to um, autonomous vehicles and how they reason about but, saving but, lives. Chris? But, but, but well, I, think, I think this gets to the heart of, of the issue of society, doesn't it? That actually overall what we're aiming to do is reduce everyone's risk. And so, yes, under circumstances you think, hang on a minute... Uh, you know, if I'm in the car, I don't, I don't want to be saving the people at the at the bus stop. However, overall, there's there's a there's a chance, there's a greater chance that you'd be one of the people at the at the bus stop, and that somebody else's car would be, um, uh, you know, used to save to save you. And uh, there's something to me very equitable about the notion of pre-deciding that which you're able to do with with autonomy and the, and the programming for autonomy so that you all effectively sign a social contract by saying okay this is how vehicles will will behave um and you you what you're overall doing is is reducing uh the risk to any one individual in society even if under in one scenario you're the one who bears bears the brunt of that and, and there's good precedence for that that's that's the basic principle behind the highway code you know it's a social code of conduct that everyone in order to drive has to say that they're going to abide by it's not it's not a sort of law it's a code it's just sort of a set of principles that we all agree is the right, the best way of going about stuff that can be challenged at any time by anybody and uh, is often amended and revised but presumably with the highway code the difference is is that i can't think of an example maybe I can't think of that resulting in a maybe it would resulting in a death because of that code um other, other compared with an autonomous car 
where by taking a certain decision that will result in well a, a, an example could be minimum speed limits so minimum yeah. speed limits on certain highways um you know if 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 the highway um suddenly had more foot traffic or something then the the highway's minimum speed limit might be revised to a no minimum speed limit to reduce the risk um but until that was revised there might be an increased chance of risk so it, it's it, it is designed to take into account the limitations of human drivers, their reaction times and everything else. So and, and uh, minimise the overall risk to everybody, to all 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 road users, as they as they, just, as they call them. But but ultimately, the difference here, I think, between you know having human agents in in charge of the car and um, you know uh, machine agents in charge of the car, is that. Uh, under any given circumstance, you know the 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 selfishness of the human can over, override anything. You know, none of us would drive our own car in front of a bus stop. Well, very few of us would drive our own car in front of a bus stop to save a a group of of strangers, knowingly sacrificing our our life. But uh, but a pre-programmed machine um, would would not be considering it from our perspective it would be considering its its programming and um i th- you know i i think that's that's a different do, do we all it's all it's almost like uh, um you know the concept of uh, odysseus being strapped to the to the mast to resist the the siren's call you know if if we all pre-accept a set of rules that we know we then can't over override i think that's an interesting um, societal issue that is that is different from from the way we manage things. Yeah, but this is and this is the problem with um, uh, considering it on a case by case basis versus instantiating it in a rule. And actually, this is where the trolley problem itself develops in in an interesting way because people have developed other types of the trolley problem where the decision is fundamentally the same, but um, but they, where they seem they seem to violate other sort of standards that we want so one is the southern sheriff example where you know there's there's a um uh, a town where you know the townsfolk mistakenly believe that one uh, someone is guilty of a murder uh, the sheriff knows that he isn't um but uh he, he if he hangs the innocent guy um he knows that that he will stop a riot from happening but if he doesn't then there'll be a riot where you know a large number of people will be killed and then you think well actually they, they ought to be taking into account if we, we we ought to have a rule which says um that you know you don't hang innocent people in a way that having that rule is still in net terms better and the other another example which is about um uh, a doctor who um you know who where someone comes in for a minor ear operation or something and while they're under anesthetic um uh, five victims of a car crash come in and by strange coincidence uh, all of them have a different organ injured and by using the uh, using the guy who's just come in for an ear operation as a, as an organ donor so by killing him he can use all of his organs to save these five people who would otherwise die do we think that would be okay even people who are um, perfectly happy to pull the lever with the trolley problem um, resist the idea that we should be uh, that that doctors ought to be allowed to do that. And the reason is that because of the dynamic effects, ultimately, of when you know it's the the impact it has on behaviour when you make it a rule. 
So if you say, look, actually, you can, uh, you might accidentally be used as an organ donor if you go in for an ear operation. People won't do that. And I think, you know, if you think about the dynamic effects applied to things, you know, more real world trolley problem um, type uh, type situations. You, you know, if people know that cars are going to swerve to avoid them, well, there's nothing sort of stopping stopping them, um, you know, just blithely wandering across the road. Um, and, you know, knowing full well that autonomous cars will, will kill their single occupants rather than kill, you know, say a group of five people crossing the road. Mm. Um, that's the problem is when, you, when, you, when people are able to adapt their behaviour based on the existence of these rules, then you start to end up with, with actually quite difficult problems. I want to come to Peter, but before I do, I mean, just to sort of sum up some of what we've been saying, I think, slightly different to what you've just said there, Nick, but it just seems to me that um, we're in a new place at the moment where we've been had these sort of issues for quite a long time or these um, um, examples of the trolley po- problem. But it seems to me that we're, just, we're in a place right now because of increasing automa- automation that for the first time or, or increasingly that you can apply logic more rigorously because of the automated nature of 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 how technology is developing i don't know if that makes sense but um so so in the case of an auto, uh, an automated uh, car uh, or sorry an autonomous car um that just wasn't an issue before but it is become it it, it is and it is becoming more so that's uh, is that a fair summation of, of yeah okay peter uh, the, yeah, the, uh, I won't go into any more interesting examples of the trolley problem. Save one: uh, the, the, it, it, they, you can use it to explore whether or not um, uh, direct agency and ob- observation make a difference. So, the fat man is an example where you can stop the train by pushing a man on uh, a man, a fat man on the bridge onto the track, and that changes people's response because by physically having in be, being involved in the death rather than remotely via a lever makes a difference also it makes a difference if the lever is obscured and none of the people none of the vic- potential victims can see who co- who made a di- who made, who diverted the train so you can you can be uh, an unseen agent but, but so maybe um going back to autonomous vehicles may, maybe there needs you, you, some sort of random behavior generator needs to be included to to mimic the way that humans behave in order to get around this gamification where people will jump out uh, to cross the road at the expense of somebody's life because they know it's going to swerve to avoid um so so that it it, it obscures the, the 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 thought process in in the vehicles in much the same way that the thought process within our own minds is obscured from from ex, ex, uh, externals it just seems to me that there's a demand, uh, there's a kind of emotional demand from humans to 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 to, to be able to do that, to slightly obscure the um, the cold logic of it, which just mm. feels slightly frightening. Yeah. So uh, so maybe when you when you uh, when you turn on your vehicle in the morning, it picks a random point in a scale between very utilitarian, we'll try to save as many, <laughs> minimize the risk from everyone, to totally self-preserving, and will do everything it can to preserve itself and its offspring. But but also, I think it's uh, it's in trip, you know, particularly in the example of autonomous vehicles, it's it's. Um, it's an interesting angle f- from the point of view of optimization of the function of the of the vehicle uh because you know risk is only one 
one of the functions you're you're trying to achieve. And so, you know, if you wanted to minimize risk, it would sit there in the garage and you'd just sit in sit in the car. Turn itself off. It turned itself off exactly. So the a strange game. The only way to win is not to play. Yeah, that's right. Um, so. So you've obviously got, you know, the uh, getting from A to B as as quickly as you can uh, and as comfortably as you can and and all those other kinds of things, which are going to be uh, weighed up to some to some extent. Um, And, you know, there'll be trade offs there as well, which we will have to somehow calculate. You know, is it reasonable for everybody to drive around at one mile per hour uh, in order to avoid avoid risk, uh, you know, or, or eliminate it as much as possible? Um, or do actually we accept that uh, we, you know, we all want to, to get to a, a place and we're prepared to, to trade loss of life against against that? But, you know, I suppose societally we are making, we do have speed limits, you know, so we, we do make these decisions, you know, and different countries have different speed limits, um, you, you know, to, to, to focus on that. So we are already making these decisions, but it feels more cold-blooded somehow in yeah well i I want to come to you peter and actually we need to round we need to sort of round this off in a second but actually what you're saying there reminds me of a simpsons simpsons episode where i think the national speed limit in the states is 60 miles per hour or maybe i could even be 55 right okay or it might depend on the state or it could depend on the state but there's a there's of some reason uh, homer simpson is campaigning to raise the speed limit um and one of the things he says is that um, sure, uh, thousands of lives might be saved, but millions will be late, right? <laughs> so you're basically on the same page as Homer Simpson, Chris. Um, we yeah. need to round it up. So if anyone's got yeah. any comments they want to round off with, um, have a think about those. But I want to come to Peter. From, from, a, from a practical engineering point of view, these these occurrences are vanishingly rare. So uh, the, 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 where your car could potentially interdict a lorry uh, is, is 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 the minute number of these occur so uh maybe it would be better to respect concentrate on cars with occupants being self-preserving and then have some kind of specialist robot which is the the lorry attacking pedestrians interdiction robot that that hovered around shopping centers and did its job um, so you you specialize rather than trying to rather than trying to roll all of this risk consideration into one. It sounds like a brave new world. Yeah, but to take but just and, and just one final point to take the sort of uber utilitarian point of view, these vehicles are going to do a far superior job to human drivers. Um, they, they, so there's, it, they, they, which will the, the lives saved in in reduced number of accidents will way outweigh all those that are potentially lost through a, a vehicle so it's a bit too vigilante or a bit too self-preserving um so and every time a vehicle is in an incident it will get better all other vehicles will get better it's not like drivers who learn from experience and that experience is held personal and uh, not and can't be shared any any vehicle uh, will learn from the mistakes and the, the successes of other vehicles yeah, and I mean, I suppose uh, you know we can we can do the same thing in a moral sense, and you know if we discover that our cars are being too utilitarian and we don't like it, we can just change the slider somewhere, and you know overnight all cars get updated to be slightly more you know selfish or whatever. I mean, I, I can foresee a a circumstance where effectively they have modes of driving. You know, you can have the sort of road rage driver that's that, that that's trying to get you to where you're going in a hurry, and that is your prime optimization function at that point and then you have the sort of 
driving Miss Daisy approach. And of, maybe you could indicate by the colour, some sort of coloured light, you know, what, yeah, mood, right. what mood that car <laughs> yeah. is in. Yeah. So if you see the red, the red, you know, flashing lights, yeah. it shows so that, that, that well. guy, he just, he doesn't give a shit about anyone and uh, he'll happily run you over. So keep out of his way. Well, that, that, points, that, to another, that, that points to another little bit of data, actually. The, 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 the uh, Uber and Google have totted up the number of accidents that their autonomous vehicles that they've been experimenting with have been involved in, and roughly it's twice the number of accidents per mile than human drivers, which sounds scary. Um, uh, but what what it, it but the, the analysis shows that that most of the accidents weren't the i.e. the fault of the the car; it was other drivers un, uh, not interpreting what this car was doing correctly because it was being too compliant with the rules. So it wasn't pulling. It wasn't pulling out in front of traffic to get in the junction. So it was being rear-ended and things like that. So it actually, it's been they've been involved in more accidents, but they've not caused them. They've been caused by the drivers not following the rules. So it was driving too perfectly in an imperfect. It was world. driving too much like Miss Daisy. So, yeah. so, the, so people have suggested maybe you need like a, a rush hour mode, which gets into a bit more aggressive mode of. Uh, I mean, we, we need to stop there, but um, just to round things off, it reminds me, as it should in Aleph style, of other podcasts where we've had, where one of the things I, I quite like this idea of having your sort of your your car flashing amber and red if you're in road rage mode, because it reminds me of when we talked about um, irrational rationality, where it's great for that guy or girl driving that car because they'll get to work on time, um, and. I wonder if so, and you could mimic that and just have that going, even though you're driving like Miss Daisy, and um, it will keep everyone off the road or, or out of your way. Yeah, and uh, you know, social norms might develop that you're not really supposed to have your, you know, have your road rage mode on, um, and if you've got the red flashing light, people will shun you, and you just have to take that into or maybe, account. Or maybe you, it costs. Maybe maybe you get a certain number of credits per month, and you can use it just <laughs> well that one one time a month to get to your appointment because you're late or something. Okay, look, we've got to wrap up there. Um, but all I can say is, look, Uber, you need to be listening to this. So you know, we've got some people here who can help you out with some stuff. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Chris Ragg, Peter Coghill, and Nick here of Aleph Insights. Uh, thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.